one, you are now listening to The Midnight Watch, where I'm out of way, standing on watch for you against bad movies. I'm Philip Powell. And I'm Nicholas Allen. And tonight's film is X-Men Apocalypse. Many things over many lifetimes. Trying to hide. Ra, Krishna, Yahweh. Ever since the world found out about mutants, there have been secret societies who see them as some kind of second coming or sign of God. They believe that tens of thousands of years ago, an ancient being was born, the world's first mutant. You are all my children, and you're lost. Because you follow blind leaders. But I am here now. I'm here for you. In this movie, the believed to be first mutant ever, Apocalypse, awakens from his tomb and looks to wreak havoc on the world, promoting only the strongest mutants to join his cause, while everyone else dies. Phil, what did you think of X-Men Apocalypse? Uh, it's a, a mixed bag. It's, it's kind of in parts. I guess I'll start with the good. Uh, James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender have good performances. Uh, obviously, they have reduced roles with the new team, but they're still very talented actors and what they're given, especially Michael Fassbender. There's a twist with his character that I won't spoil it. I felt the emotion of it, even though it wasn't the best setup thing. It, I felt the emotions, and that's a credit to his acting. Same with James McAvoy. Uh, I thought Oscar Isaacs was fine. Uh, he kind of has to play a subdued because of the powers of Apocalypse, so he doesn't get as much screen time as probably some people are expecting. But he delivers his lines, like, well, because it's hard, because he kind of course because he's ancient he kind of speaks like in the old kind of Shakespearean type person and I want to say that I like that part about him that when he awakens he's not automatically speaking English mm -hmm. he finds a way to learn English after awakening but when he comes in he's still speaking ancient Egyptian as I'm assuming it was possibly yeah 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 all that was interesting like the setup of Apocalypse yeah they give you a little backstory at the opening of the film and I thought and, it was pretty yeah cool. the setup to his uh, revival and then him basically trying to sort out what's going on because obviously he didn't live in a time where there were cars and jet planes and uh and TV so he's got telephones like, what the <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, I thought some of the newcomers were okay. Mm -hmm. I like Cody Smith McPhee as Nightcrawler. Yeah, he, they didn't he give was him a good. whole lot, he but he was like fine. The guy who would become. Uh, yeah, he felt yeah. like he could be Alan Cunning yeah. younger. He felt like Nightcrawler. That yeah. And uh, forgot the guy's name. Ty something. Yeah, the that plays Cyclops. Scott, yeah, he was. Good. He was okay. Uh, Sophie Turner was okay as Jane yeah, Grey. She, she was better than I thought she would be because from the trailers, I didn't think she was going to be that good. I thought it was one of those instances where they just picked another Game of Thrones actor because that's the popular thing to do now. But she was serviceable. She was fine. Yeah, and I like that they kept a bit of continuity with that character that I want to spoil. Yeah. But if you've seen the movies, it, it makes sense. Yeah. And then there's... Uh, 
Oh, I haven't talked about Alexandra Ship. Yep. I think is how you pronounce mm-hmm. her last yep. name. Who played Storm? I thought she was great. Yeah, she was good for She's, what, what she was able to do. She ended well, yeah, because she was lying. Well, yeah. But I did like that they acknowledged Storm's backstory that she started off as a thief. I was like, okay, nice little. And she actually tie-in. pulled off an accent. Yeah, real decently well. Yeah. Now I know some people will. Not like the fact she doesn't have all of her power. She only demonstrates partial power. But I chalk that up to her being so young. Mm -hmm. Because she's not the older, more experienced Storm. She's still young and learning everything. So Mm -hmm. I'm fine with the little bit she did do. Uh, Olivia Munn as Psylocke, she was just kind of there. Yeah. Because really, she might only had like two lines of dialogue. Deadpool for this, it's like... Yeah, you're Cause she wanted to actually a have badass who gets the, but you don't do that much. She basically does what you see in the trailer, and that's about it. Yeah, she, but she wants... I'm assuming this is part of, oh, I want to do a role in which people take me seriously to where it can open the door for other opportunities to play even stronger female characters. Yeah, maybe. But... I don't think anybody, any studio is going to look at this movie and be like, oh, yeah, I want Olivia Munn to play Laura Croft, for instance, yeah. because she played Psylocke. You, no, you barely happen. spoke. She may have only spoken like two sentences right. at best. <laughs> she really barely has any dialogue and in yeah, front. They, and I get it, because I know the character's backstory from the comics, but yeah, they, she's basically like a blank slate. And for all that early... Uh, rant i heard about the movie the negative rant i heard about the movie early on like a couple weeks back where they talked about how little jubilee is in the movie i think jubilee it had, sense. i yeah, agree made, with those people they shouldn't have put her like with the rest of the team on the forefront of the marketing material that was a bit cheap marketing ploy but but how her role actually makes sense in this movie but then again it is a marketing ploy yeah. And this kind of thing happens all the time. It There's does. no reason to just single out this movie. True. Because I'm guaranteed the same I, person. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah it's I, bad I when this saying. movie does it, and it's, it's bad, bad all when the other time. movies do it. Yeah. And if you're a fan of Jubilee, I'm not. I could see why you were like, yeah, Fox, you kind of tricked me. And it's definitely not the first time Fox has done <laughs> nope, this. Let's sure not forget isn't. that... <laughs> The marketing posters for X Men: The Last Stand sported both Angel and Cyclops in full X Men suits, mm-hmm. even though neither of them were involved in the action. Yeah. Angel just flew around to save his dad, and Cyclops was killed off in the first twenty minutes. Yeah, so it's not the first time they missed marketing. Sure not. But Jubilee had more spoken dialogue than Psylocke. Yep. <laughs> And I think Jubilee's inclusion, I don't really have a problem with it because it's them trying to establish a team of X-Men that they can carry into the next movie, mm-hmm. which is one of the things I liked about the movie And in the end was that before I said that this was going to be my last X-Men movie regardless of if it was good or bad, and now I feel like I kind of have to go back on that because the way they've established the characters now, I kind of want to see what happens next because they've established characters that I like mm-hmm. to return in future installments. Mm-hmm. Now, the action is very few and far between. I know there was a guy, there's a friend of mine that I talked to who didn't like Days of Future Past that much because he felt it lacked action, even though I felt like it had plenty. Yeah. But. It was about the characters. That's yeah. why you watch movies. But in, if we're being honest, all the X-Men movies have been about the characters. Yeah. Except for Origins Wolverine, but I don't count that. I'm talking about the main franchise 
X Men through the Last Stand and yeah, First they, Class they, through they all Apocalypse. Have slow parts. Yeah, but they're all character driven stories. Which that's the other thing too. I'll throw this out there. I feel like this movie gets a lot of unfair criticism. Well, not. I shouldn't just say this movie in particular, but the X-Men franchise as a whole gets a lot of unnecessary criticism from people for not including this much action and, well, this isn't that interesting. But to me, it's like, so, let me get this straight. You want to talk about what's a good superhero film? Something like Ant-Man gets by because it had a good action scene or two with shrinking. But if I ask you to name the villain, you wouldn't be able to tell me what his name was outside of the suit that he was wearing when he was Yellow Jacket. What was his real name? Guarantee you couldn't tell me. Yeah, what was the name of the... I forgot. Yeah. What was the name of the villain in Thor? Guarantee nobody could tell me that unless well, you we were paying. But... Well, yeah. We know. <laughs> but, like, the average moviegoer, they wouldn't be able to tell you. They wouldn't... Well, I guess I shouldn't even say just the average moviegoer. Mm-hmm. But... The point I'm trying to make here is that these movies actually make an attempt to try and flesh out their characters, and they don't get respect for that. They still get hounded. It's kind of a damned if you will, damned if you don't, because you didn't include an action scene. But then, speaking of action scene, they have a scene with Quicksilver in this movie that I like, but I felt like it was a huge total shift. That kind of... Feels weird. Yeah, I get what they're trying to go to release the tension, but yeah, I agree. It's such a tonal shift, and it has the same problem as uh, not first class. Days of Future Past, where basically everybody else is still learning how to use their powers, and Brian Singer has basically made Quicksilver as powerful as adult Quicksilver in the comic series after. Like, 20, 30 plus years of existing, so he's kind of like... Now, to be fair... Ridiculously overpowered. To be fair, though, I don't have a problem with that because, first of all, Quicksilver's power is not one he has to hide. A lot of the mutants have powers that they have to hide from society. Two, his power allows him to hide from society if he wants to. And three, he's been using his powers from a young age obviously for the wrong reasons to steal stuff, but he's used it enough to where it's believable that he could be as skilled as he is. As they showed in Days of Future Past, he had a huge stockpile of shit that he's stolen over the years, including Pepsi product placement. And I'm going to assume that his mom did not buy him that Pac-Man arcade game he has. Probably I'm going to assume he stole that too. Yeah. So probably not. So... That's not a problem for me. I think that's fine. Well, I mean, once it comes to the big battle again, it's kind of like, well, why can't Quicksilver just do anything? And they explain it with why he can't stop Magneto, but well, what well, I, I guess technically he does try to stop Apocalypse. Yeah, he does try to stop Apocalypse. It goes bad <laughs> As it should, because it's Apocalypse. But I want to talk about that for a second, as we were discussing it in the car. Some people might have a problem with the way Apocalypse is portrayed in the movie. I don't. I felt like Brian Singer took liberties with the characters like he has with all the X-Men movies. Because mm-hmm. you can find parts in all of these movies where the characters don't match up with their comic book counterparts. And it's no different with Apocalypse. And I felt like he did it with Apocalypse in a way that was sensible. You can't have Apocalypse as portrayed in the comic books in this movie without having it be a... 20 minute movie in which 10 (laughs) minutes of that is spent 
building Apocalypse's character, then the other ten minutes is him systematically killing every single member of the X-Men, and then the movie ends. Yeah, you like have I, to give him some kind yeah. of weakness, and I felt like Brian yeah, Singer Like I said right in our Captain America review, that was kind of the problem with them making Apocalypse the villain in this movie, which is trying to start a new trilogy is, yeah, he's really, like I said before, he's really a villain you should bring for one last film with the older characters. That yeah, that's true. They should have said people it. people off and build, like, this really rich story, because, yeah, he's a penultimate villain, X-Men villain. Yeah, but it was one of those Catch-22 things where I completely agree with you, and the problem is, though, that a lot of the older actors, we... I like the older actors, mm-hmm. but I also love the young cast and not trying to be unfair to the original cast, mm-hmm. but there are members of the younger cast that I like more than the older cast. And that seems to be the major marketing point. A lot of people do like the younger cast. Mm-hmm. So you want to see them in the movie. And I think that's the only reason they said it in the eighties was so they could utilize the younger cast. Cause yeah. then honestly too, some of them like, as we've uh, talked yeah, about. All I'm saying is there are other interesting X-Men villains you could have used for a younger team. Which ones would you have used? Uh, hmm. Let's see. Because they kind of used a lot of the major ones. Yeah. Well, the major human ones. Yeah, because I would have said the Sentinels, but Singer kind of already blew his wide wastefully with those guys. I don't think it was wastefully. Well, not well. The future Sentinels were fine, but the past Dyson ones are still kind of like. Well, it has a place in the story. It's not just about having a giant robot punch things. Well, I'm not saying that's not all the Sentinels are though. Because <laughs> it's also about the idea based on everything that happens in this series and the whole dynamic, which is supposed to be humans fear and hate mutants. It makes sense that they would have some kind of countermeasure. And you can make and the signals smaller. Like, you can spin off a Weapon X and make it like cyborgs. There's plenty of ways you can do signals. I'm not just saying signals because I want giant robots. I'm saying well, no, they no. have a particular story purpose. And I'm saying that Brian could, Singer served that story. Where done right? more than he's done. No, I don't think so. I think I, I they... think so. I don't think there's that much more to expand because the way you speak about the Sentinels, you speak about them as if they're individual characters with minds of their own, and they're not really. Yes, they, they are. <laughs> okay, how so? Uh, they There's one major AI that controls the Sentinels in the comics. They haven't introduced that. Yeah, anymore. you say it's one major AI yeah. that controls the Sentinels. Yes. That so that goes back to what I was... That's what I was just saying, it's though. That, like Ultron or any other mechanical villain, the Terminator... Okay, so Bolivar Trask was bankrolling the operation before. What yeah. would have been bankrolling that? How did that get created? The U.S. government. Yeah, but Brian Singer already served that because he showed why the Sentinels would not be a viable defense mechanism. Against Magneto, though, that's one person. No, and they were because they would eventually target humans that helped mutants. Brian Singer already touched on all of that. You're talking about a character that was part of that that Brian Singer didn't include, but that doesn't mean the general message behind the Sentinels hasn't already been touched on. It already has. They already did that. Kinda. 
You say kind of, but you have Well, haven't. because again, people have seen the mutants being displayed. The way this movie kind of portrays the humans is just kind of like, well, we know mutants exist, but we're kind of... And some people don't like them and make them fight in fight clubs, but there's not that overarching, like... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's not that tension like there was in previous movies with the humans and the X-Men. It's basically what I'm saying. Because Brian Singer touched on it with Days of Future Past and made everything seem like... Basically what Mystique did was help the humans to see yeah. that not all mutants are bad. There's no need for the Sentinels yeah, because the government a, would never that, bankroll that's that. That's one step, though, in the process. What's though? the other step, though? Because you're talking about including the Sentinels. The Sentinels are not like the Juggernaut. The Sentinels are not like Magneto, people with characterization. They are robots. Robots that are programmed to kill or hunt down and capture mutants. And mutant supporters. And people who could be mutants in the future. Sentinels does not have characterization beyond that. You're talking about one AI character that still acts as a hive mind for a bunch of Sentinels. There's not, oh, there's Sentinel-1 who had another prototype that was destroyed. There's Sentinel-2 that has a family at home. Well, yeah, but again, it's it's not strictly about the characterization. It was about the... Basically, the whole major the thing of the X-Men. Can humans and mutants live together? We aren't at that point yet. We already took the step in that point, though. With Days of Future Not Past. Not really, because that's an alternate timeline that no longer never happened. <laughs> and that's kind of like... Mystique stopping one... Trask from launching the Sentinels takes care of that half. Now, what you're looking for, it sounds like is for humans and mutants to live in harmony together. If that happened, there would be no more movies. So no, still, what I'm saying is the continuation of that dynamic. Because it's not, yeah, Mystique saved the present, but Magneto is still out there. And what does Magneto have to do with the Sentinels, though? Because you're arguing that the Sentinels should have had another movie, and I don't see where the Sentinels play into that. If Magneto's still out there, yeah, the government might want Magneto, but they're not going to send Sentinels. They've already learned from the last movie that the Sentinels are not the way to go. So why would you still include Sentinels after that? Basically as a safeguard against views. No. You wouldn't include them as a safeguard because you know the safeguard is not reliable. Well, that's because that's the way Brian Singer wrote it. I guess. No, it is. We're going to be arguing in circles and saying the same thing. It is from this standpoint. You tell me they can't reprogram signals. They always have to. Oh, we're going to attack humans too. No, that's something he wrote so he could be like. It shows a flaw. That's basically like saying that in the Terminator movies, everybody says we all can agree that if the series would have ended with Terminator Two, he would have been fine with it. Mm -hmm. Based on what you're talking about right now, you support the idea that Judgment Day is inevitable, like they said in Terminator 3. Because, no, no. Because, oh, well, that's just one isolated incident. We can still do the same thing, but maybe do it slightly differently and it'll be a different outcome. No. The lesson is the same outcome will come no matter what as long as you 
tamper with technology in that matter is going to happen. No matter how you try to flip it, it's still going to have the same result. Okay. And that's what I'm saying. The Sentinels have served their purpose. Okay. But, uh, let's see. Going back, who they could have done as the villain. Because I don't really remember that many X-Men villains. Well, because the cartoon... Outside of the ones that they've been promoting and plan to do movies based on. And we're not talking about second tier villains that can be defeated in one movie. We're talking about actual Well, that's threats. what they've been doing, though. Well, yeah, but I'm talking Dolly. about... The separation here, I'm talking about Apocalypse versus or even well, all yeah. of our Trask and the threat of the Sentinels. That's an actual movie-worthy threat. Oh, well... I know this isn't an X-Men villain, but, mm-hmm. like, the Mole Man. Nobody cares about that. If you want to make a movie where the villain is the Mole Man, nobody cares. Well, plus it's kind of hard to tie that character. But you understand what I'm saying, that not every villain is a movie-worthy villain. Oh, yeah. And I feel like they've already gone through a good section of those villains in these movies. So Apocalypse was naturally where they were going to go next, besides the other one that's still out there. Mm -hmm. But as this movie is... When it comes to the character of Angel, he's there. They make him a pretty one-note character. They give him... Super one-note. They give him, you know, a little special ability to make him seem like a threat. But in the end, he's about as much of a threat as Pyro was in The Last End. (laughs) Actually, I would say Pyro was probably more of a threat than Angel was. (laughs) Now, personally, I'm not heartbroken because I don't really care for the character of Angel. But for those who do, you might be disappointed. Well, because like I said, you grew up on the cartoon and he wasn't that prominent in that cartoon. Mm -hmm. But he is a good character and an interesting backstory. But yeah, and it also goes back to the final problem with this series going on. Why introduce prominent characters if they're not going to do that much? When there are a bunch of different, like I said, no name X-Men like they did with First Class. Get a bunch of basically red shirts if you want to. Well, we don't care about that. We want to see... People want to see notable characters. It's no different from how the Marvel movies do things, too. No, because the Marvel... The Marvel movie... Let's not forget Iron Man 3 now. Where they marketed the Mandarin and the Mandarin wasn't in the fucking movie. So don't say that Marvel don't do that. Okay. Because they do that a lot. Let's not forget Justin Hammer. Justin Hammer was in Iron Man 2, even though I liked that performance. Mm-hmm. But what have they done with Justin Hammer since then? Nothing. Well, that was kind of the background. Red Skull. Nothing since then. Well, that was out of their hands. That was Hugo Weaving, basically. They still could have recasted him because of makeup could've. still. But I'm just saying, these things still overlap. You can find an instance in the Marvel Studio Universe where they've done true, something somewhere. True, too. but they're typically not with, like fan favorite kid and like i said he might not be a fan favorite to you but trust me just like jubilee there are people who like angel yeah i'm sure there are i'm they're, not knocking they're, those people they're a sizable portion that's and why I'm i said with, with besides those examples you brought with marvel which are valid it's usually with marvel it's a secondary character well the mandarin is not a secondary well, character yeah with, besides him it's typically a secondary character and, yeah, they might not have the outcome of the X-Men films, but there have been people that they've wasted, but only for the sense of, well, it's in a movie to come, so you can still wait 
Now, Angel, it might be a different story. They might include them, they might not. But with somebody like Jubilee, I wouldn't throw in the towel because obviously it's something oh, to well, expand yeah, obviously, on. Obviously. But I'm when it comes saying, to... with Marvel, is Because they... Some exceptions, it's usually that, that character gets an arc. Sam Wilson, no. Okay. The only reason, because this is what I'm getting at here. Mm-hmm. They don't tell you, oh yeah... We'll tell you the villains for the next five X-Men films we plan on doing. The only reason these other characters in these Marvel Studios films you feel like have arcs is because you've seen multiple films with them in it. However, that's also because you know there's going to be multiple films. With the X-Men well, franchise, yeah, you don't Marvel know. Marvel their stuff out where Fox kind of... Fox still can, it. but that's the thing though. Fox might not tell you everything. So all you can do is assume. But I think there's a difference between not telling me anything and not really trying to set stuff up. Because there are characters who I know will have more prominent roles in future movies like Storm, like Cyclops. Yeah, those are the main characters, though. Like Beast. Those are the main characters, though. We're we're talking about the side characters right now, like Jubilee. Okay, well, Jubilee or Quicksilver. Yeah, but that's the thing. By them not telling you... That doesn't mean they're not planning. They can plan something without telling you that. That's old Hollywood filmmaking. True. That's before we got in the age where we have to tell everybody every single step that we do. I and that's what the Marvel movies do. Every that, step. Uh, the Marvel movies told us who the ultimate villain would be for the last two Avengers movies oh, yeah. in Thanos. That's telling us every step. Instead of leaving it up to the imagination. Oh, and Joss Whedon dropped the Comic-Con. Ultron is the villain for two, and we saw how that went, by Mm -hmm. the way. But what I'm saying is that Sam Wilson, if he had only been in Winter Soldier, he didn't have an arc either, really. They just tossed in that last action sequence, which is the worst part of Winter Soldier. It would be a a near-perfect movie had it not been for the third act, where they throw in this nonsensical helicarriers battle that I feel like exists only for the fact of giving Sam Wilson an action scene so they can say, oh, look, he did some in this movie, Mm -hmm. which all it amounts to is him shooting two people Mm -hmm. before being taken out by a simple grappling hook. So I don't feel like there's some things here that, yeah, you can tell, but I don't think it's something to hound these movies for because, oh, this person only got a little bit of screen time in this movie. Because they could still come back in the next movie. They could. Quicksilver only got a little bit of time in Days of Future Past, but obviously his role was expanded. Well, yeah, I know he's. So that's not to say it won't happen for Jubilee. Well, Nightcrawler was also a prominent character in X Two, and he didn't return for X Three. Yeah, but that's that's what I'm saying though. You can't always have that guarantee. Whereas the Marvel movies, you have the guarantee because they tell you everything. Well, it's not just that; it's because they plan it out and they get people under contract. Everybody plans out movies. Fox just doesn't tell you everything. That's all there is to uh, it. Because they don't have as many characters like to work with as Marvel does. Yes, they do. The X-Men universe is expansive. Yeah, but how many of those characters within the X-Men universe do Fox solo have the rights to? A lot of them. They right. have the Shi'ar. Everything, basically all the... Who knows who the Shi'ar is? People watch the cartoon. They did the Dark Phoenix saga on that cartoon. And the Dark Phoenix saga is one of the biggest now you know as well, arcs of the X-Men kind. Now, you know as well as I do that Marvel Studios cock blocks okay. Fox at every opportunity they have. No. And 
Yes, they do. No. Go and do some research, Phil. You know damn well they do that. On what? Yeah, they put Quicksilver in their movie because they no, share no, no, no. rights. They yeah. share the rights to Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Cause did they, they or did they not discontinue the Fantastic Four comic? Did they or did they not discontinue the Fantastic Four comic? Yes, they did. Okay, isn't that a property that Fox owns? Yes. Okay. That Fox did horrible job with. No, before the movie came out, they canceled that. They canceled I know you that like the Tim Story movies, but they're not great movies. Yeah, but if Marvel Studios had those and characters, I, if Marvel Studios had those characters, do you think they would have canceled the comic book, regardless well, no, of how the previous no. movies were? That's what I'm talking about. Marvel Studios, because it's owned by Disney, you know Disney does not play fair at all. True. Just like I'm sure Sony doesn't know it yet, but Disney's going to take Spider-Man away from Sony in some way or shape or form. They already have full creative control over the movie, even though when they were first starting this whole plan, it seemed like Sony was still going to have control over the yeah. solo movies while Spider-Man was just used in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. But now, as you notice it, the tide has kind of changed, and now suddenly Marvel Studios has full creative control well, over the solo movie, too. Yeah. So what am I telling you? I'm telling you that eventually that's no longer going to be a factor, and Sony's just going to be out of the equation altogether. Maybe. It depends how... Come on now. It depends Come how on. airtight that contract is. Disney... believe me, you think Disney doesn't want the X-Men back? Some, some stuff, because... Basically, I know the backstory. When Marvel sold off their film rights, they basically gave up a lot because they were about to go out of business. If they didn't sell the rights to Spider-Man, X-Men, and the Fantastic Four, there would be no Marvel comics, and therefore, but you're going back to my original point. Or nothing. But you're going back to my original point. So you're going back to my original point, though. Marvel Studios would like to have the X-Men. They would. So any way they can get the X-Men, they're gonna try, which includes. What? They're not going to get them back. But they're damn sure going to try. And that would also mean sabotaging the other studio's attempts to make the characters more well-known amongst the general audience. I don't... don't And that also would include contracting little side characters that maybe not a lot of people recognize for use in their own films, so then they can block the X-Men films from using those characters later. But that hasn't been done yet. There's nobody in the Avengers that's an X-Men character that... So you have a list of all the X-Men characters, and of that list, you know that Fox owns all of those characters. Yes, they do. They own everything X-Men. Uh-huh. When it comes to media, except for the comics, if they wanted to do a TV... Like, if Marvel wanted to do... Like, some people are probably like, well, why doesn't Marvel do another cartoon or TV show because Fox owns that let's look at it from another let's look at it from this perspective we all know well you and I know Mm -hmm. that in the Civil War story arc wasn't Wolverine involved in that arc uh kinda he was a sidekick but he was involved in some Avenger at the time yes he he was was also an Avenger he wasn't a big role though so Marvel Studios they can kind of play around because they have all of these characters. The X-Men are a set amount of characters, and there's only a handful that everybody knows. Not everybody knows these other characters that you talk about. The comic book readers know, but if we have to depend on the comic book readers, that's where these movies fail, and that's what you're failing to see here. If we relied on the comic book readers, you wouldn't have Marvel Studios as it is right now. If you only focus on that group of people, that's how you get Scott Pilgrim. 
which was a box mm-hmm. office failure but a critical success. Mm-hmm. That's how you get Kick-Ass, mm-hmm. which was a barely a success, and they still did a sequel, and the sequel tanked. Mm-hmm. But that's how you get those well, films. How you get okay. these films is by well, also... Going back to Marvel, yeah, you can, there's a way you can integrate both. That's what I'm saying. And the X-Men is an expansive universe. And again, Which they cannot create any new characters for. If Brian Singer is this great director he's supposed to be, you can do that in a way that will make it palpable for the non-comic readers because we'll be invested in this world. Just like with Marvel, and you don't have to set everything up. But Marvel has shown you can do both. Yeah, even though... You don't have to completely turn your back on the comic book like these movies try to do a lot. You don't have to. That's one way of doing things, but What did they turn their back on the comic book for? What part did they turn their back on the comic book? They use the iconography of comic books when it's convenient, but they basically... It doesn't have the weight because they don't build to it. They don't invest... In the development to it. Like I said, Apocalypse should be a penultimate villain. They throw him in this movie. Why? Because he's a big name. Everybody knows him. You see him in the trailer. It's like, oh, I have to see that. Okay, and they chose Thanos. Why? For Marvel Studios. Uh, Probably in part. Because I'll be honest, Marvel probably would want, probably wanted their first choice would probably be somebody like Galactus. It's because they don't have Galactus, they don't have Apocalypse, so it's like, well, we do have Thanos, so let's make Thanos feel like a villain on that Galactus or Apocalypse level, and let's build to it. Where people who don't know he is, okay, now they can be like, all right, this should be awesome. Yeah. Mm. Like, I can admit, Marvel, if they had their first choice, the Avengers 3 villain... I could be honest, would probably be Galactus or somebody better now like that. Or Dr. Doom. Trust me, Marvel would love to be able to use Doom. Well, they probably will soon because Fantastic Four was So, yeah, I, I can be honest, Thanos was probably not their first choice. He was probably like four or five on their list. Number one was probably Galactus. Number two was probably Doom. I can be honest about that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean. Like, Brian Singer uses, like, oh, well, this is cool in the comics, so I'm going to use something that looks like that and basically just... But as far as I'm concerned, even if Brian Singer does that... He does. He has yet to do it in a way in which I'm like, wow, you've really disgraced this character. True. Like, it's not like the Fantastic Four movie that came out last year that was a complete abomination of Doctor Doom. He makes decent movies. So I don't see what the problem is. He took creative liberties, but his creative well, liberties... Because, and maybe I'll be wrong, but with this movie, it, it could possibly be Dimension Returns. Because like you brought up, they're running out of big-name villains that non-comic readers know. So unless you start, even if you don't so tell us, unless you start setting some stuff up... So if they use Apocalypse, I don't understand. Because originally, it seems like you're saying... Okay, they rushed in to pick an Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. But then you just said they ran out of villains, so they're down to Apocalypse and this other no, person I'm that we won't mention. We're going with the idea we can only use characters, people who don't read the comics would know we don't have faith in ourselves to build up another villain that isn't as well known. Then yeah, we're kinda we're kinda 
If that's Fox's mentality, they're kind of running out of people. Well, that's kind of like any movie, though. Any movie, they want to go for what's more well-known. For instance, True. how do you explain all the damn remakes and sequels we've been True. getting for the last 10 it's, years? It's, it's all about name recognition. But those are diminished returns. People are starting to turn on reboots. People, some might say unfairly, have already turned on the Ghostbuster reboot. I don't think people probably aren't going to be that receptive to the Roll House reboot, especially Hell since no. I Fuck just that watched movie. that movie last week. Fuck I'm kind of like... Yeah, this is kind of a quintessential 80s action movie. I don't know how they're going to remake it. Not to mention after... Oh, we're just gender swapping. That makes it Yeah, not to mention a big part of why the original Roll House is so good is because Patrick Sazy is a great actor. And I like Ronda Rousey, but she's like a great action presence. But I'm not confident she can actually act in a movie. There's nothing that says she can't. So people are probably not going to be receptive to that. The Point Break remake flopped, or didn't do that great. Yeah, it flopped. Yeah, it flopped. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Eventually, the same thing is going to happen to Fox. Unless they course correct a little bit, and this movie might be it. The new team might be it. I'm just saying, they... I, I don't think it's fair to compare this at all. To the Point Break remake or any well, of that stuff. of course, because Point Break was a remake in name only. No, it was a, it was a remake in well, more than name only, but it was just a garbage movie that and, just yeah, didn't matter. <laughs> it, it was a fucking well, yeah, movie. it's not fair in that way. I'm just saying, I could see, like, again, maybe I'll be wrong well, in the next movie. in general, in general, superhero like, films have been getting diminished in returns. True. Including the Marvel Studios ones. Because, yeah, True. Captain America Civil War, they wanted to promote the fact that in the first week they were talking about, oh, it's already made 300 and I think it was like 90-something mm-hmm. million worldwide. And it's like, yeah, you're forgetting to tell people that the movie came out like two weeks before it came out in the U.S. in other countries True. around the world. But it, so, it still did really well. Yeah, but it it's... It still made a billion, which I am shocked Batman and Superman couldn't do. I am, I'm like, not, legit the shocked. The movie was fucking terrible. But it's it, Batman and Superman. Yeah, but you forget that Man of Steel wasn't that well-received. And then on True. top of that, even though the Nolan Batman trilogy was, you didn't have Christopher Nolan's name attached to this in any of the marketing. True. Two, Christian Bale was not returning. True. And three, the mixed reception of Ben Affleck portraying Batman. True. That all attributed to people going into the movie like... Already kind of, well, I don't think it looks good. We'll see if it changes my mind. And then the movie was fucking awful, so it didn't change anybody's mind. Yeah, I'm I'm just shocked. Some people liked it, but majority of people That it couldn't even break a, like, get into the 900 means. I am shocked because of the name recognition. And it's the first kind of Justice League live action movie we ever got. I am kind of shocked it couldn't make a billion at least, or close to it, like 950 or whatever. I am shocked it stopped like in the eight hundreds and didn't go any higher. Well, I don't. I think that's the route where Man of Steel stopped because I don't think Man of You're Steel had a billion. Right. So it's about on par. But to me, I don't like to go by the worldwide grosses anyway because international audiences will eat up a lot of shit here True. that's terrible. Like all the Transformers movies have grossed a billion worldwide. That don't make them better movies. No, that, so, that is valid. I'm just saying I, that shocked. 
I think it's good, but it's also proving my point that you're starting to be diminishing returns. Now with that, yeah, you can Wonder argue movie that isn't as good. Like we like the Thor movies, well, but a lot of people think they're okay. You didn't like Ant Man, I did, but I can admit its flaws. But I think if it's just like anything else. If a blockbuster is really good, like I think Independence Day Two is going to do really well because it looks like it's at least good. It looks like they had a good idea. They're paying off the past, and the action looks pretty damn good. So I think that movie's going to do well. I I still think, just like any other blockbuster, people want to see big action movies in summer. If they're good, they'll make money. No. But I agree. If they're not, like, Marvel's next subpar movie might not make, like, $500 million worldwide. It might be, like, well, 500 is kind of low. We'll say 700 worldwide. It might make, like, 500 or 400 total. Uh, I'm just waiting for after Marvel Studios releases. Basically, once Infinity Wars is over, it's going to mark the end of a lot of stuff. Yeah, it is. For one, I'm going to be completely done with superhero films. For two, that's when you get to the point where, okay, you can either continue milking the same udder that's bleeding now because it's so dry, Mm -hmm. and continue to make movies, Iron Man 4, which I'm... I might be in the minority, but I don't give a shit yeah, about an Iron Man know. 4. There, It's over. It's done. Tony Stark, as far as I'm concerned, you should have stopped doing team-up movies, after uh, solo movies after the first Avengers. It should have been more movies like Civil War because it's hard to believe that you can make a solo movie unless it's Thor where it's in another world in which no other characters show up. It doesn't make any fucking sense. But once Infinity War is over... Yeah, you could probably still make sequels to Black Panther, obviously, because he's only yeah. probably would have had one movie by then, because I don't and think they're Spider-Man. playing another one. Yeah, but only Spider-Man can go so far, too, as much as I like Tom mm-hmm. Holland. You gotta think about the fact right, that yeah, with Homecoming, that'll be the sixth Spider-Man it's film. It's a long ways away, but yeah, after Infinity Wars, Marvel has some thinking to do. Yeah, because then... Yeah, are you going to make Ant-Man 2? Because I don't give a shit about Ant-Man 2. They are. Are you going to make... You know, but a lot of people liked Ant-Man. Yeah, because of an action war, scene but at the a end. Lot of, a lot of people like the humor. A lot of people, unlike you and even me, like the sidekicks. They liked his friends. They didn't think they were racial stereotypes. They liked them. Yeah. And they people really like Paul Rudd. I'll be interested to see how far that goes, because once you get past Infinity Wars, you're going to have to start digging up some new characters. True. And... I don't think people are going to care that much about all the other characters that you have to offer after Infinity Wars. That's not maybe, already in maybe not, But I can say the same thing about these movies. They've leaned heavily on Mystique, Magneto, Wolverine, but like and I said, X. But like I said, they don't you have... you're interested in this new younger team, but some people might not. But like I said, X-Men, they don't have as much to choose from as Marvel Studios does. They do. Yeah, because X-Men totally could include Doctor Strange if they want. They could totally include no, Spider-Man not, if they not, want. They could totally there, include Defender. There's tons of X-Men characters. And I'm not just talking about obscure characters that I know as a comic book fan. I'm talking about characters that were part of big arcs. Like I said, you still have the whole intergalactic 
Phoenix stuff, we haven't got a true... Phoenix is a character that's already been featured, though. But we haven't got... I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, but that's stuff. still... We haven't got a true blue Dark Phoenix song. I'm yes, saying. but you're that. proving my point, that's though. A whole it's still the same character that they've already had in a movie. They might not have done the story the way it was in the comic book. No! The character has appeared in a movie. It's completely different characters. The only character they've done that was involved in the original story is the main team in Gene. Yeah, so who who's the other characters, Phil? The whole Shi'ar Empire. The general movie going on is does not know who the fuck the Shi'ite Empire yeah, is. Yeah, but all you have to say is X-Men in space. People will get excited if you do it right. It's X-Men in space. No, they'll think the movie. Yeah. General movie going on is, I guarantee you, will think the X-Men franchise jumped the fucking shark mm. as soon as they introduce X-Men in space to the yeah. general movie going audience. Okay. Well, I want them to do that as the next movie just so I can prove my point. Okay. I hope they do that as the next movie and I hope that shit bombs to prove my point. But. Because I'm telling you, you're talking about who who else besides the Shiite Empire? Who are these other characters that everybody knows that they have? That's a lot of characters. No, let's start naming some of these characters that they have. That just haven't been front and center yet, but everybody knows them, and so Fox has no excuses. Who are these other characters? Besides Gambit, who's supposed to get his own movie, besides the core characters, who are these other characters that I haven't heard of, that the general movie going audience knows, that are supposedly just ripe for the picking, that everybody's going to be well receptive to, and make these big box office successes out of? Name them. The Morlocks? I know about the Morlocks, but... Again, they were in the cartoon. People I know about them the by name. People watch the cartoon. They technically haven't done your boy Juggernaut right. And they've introduced Psylocke what? and Angel before and then recast them with this movie. You, so they can do that. You, you continue to prove my point, though. You name the Morlocks. Mm-hmm. That's one. You name the Juggernaut. He's already appeared in the movie. Regardless of whether or not it was done properly, he's already appeared in a movie. So did Psylocke and Angel. Yes. And they still reintroduced it and did it better. Yes. people didn't complain. Yes, but my point is, Phil, they're still going back to the same characters because, yeah, they might not have done them right, but there's a reason why they're like, well, we didn't do Psylocke right. So instead of... Moving on to another X-Men character that we can do justice to and then coming back to Psylocke later, we're going to do Psylocke right because we can't think of anybody else to put in there. But that's Fox's problem, not mine. That's their lack of creativity. Because like I said, the X-Men is like an adventure-sized universe all by themselves. Yes, but not all of those are bankable characters. But some of them just like... Who thought Guardians of the Galaxy was super bankable before that movie came out? If you make a good movie, people will see this shit. Okay, hold on. That's not hold, on hold on, hold on, hold That's on. That's not as No, hold on. That's not as That was cute. a good success story, but let's put it this way, Phil, because I said this shit too when we recorded that review. Mm-hmm. Release Guardians of the Galaxy after Iron Man and tell me how well that movie would have done. I guarantee you it wouldn't okay. have made the money it made. So that... Okay, but on that point, they made, what, like nine X-Men movies. So, like Marvel, they have a track record of movies people like, so why can't you take a risk? They they have a track record just like Marvel. Because they don't have the rights to Guardians of the Galaxy, even the shitty They don't have the rights to Doctor Strange. They don't have the rights to Spider-Man. But they have characters of a similar type that they just don't use. That's what I mean. But Brian Singer is, like, uh, half-assed. 
Okay, so, and out of, these will be all new characters that don't include anybody that's been seen in the movie. Mm-hmm. And how many movies of those could you make? Honestly, if you did it right, Phoenix should be two movies. Phoenix has already been in a movie. I don't care if there's other characters in those movies. You're still featuring one character that's already been featured in one of these movies. But that's the same with all these movies. Gene has been in all these movies except for the Wolverine movies. That's the same thing. You're going in circles, Phil. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Because I just explained this to you. We're going to move on to something else because okay. we're going to be sitting there talking for two hours because you're not getting what I'm saying at all. Okay, so let's explain move on. it to me one more time. No, no, no. So I'm done. I'm saying. done. Let's okay. move on. So, what else about this movie, then? Uh, let's see. We about talked about I'll say the 3D oh, yeah. I Jennifer didn't know. I was just saying, she was terrible. She was sleepwalking through this movie. I hope she doesn't come back. You could tell Jennifer Lawrence doesn't care. I know people are going to give her pass because of her fighting for the wage gap. And that's a good thing, but I'm sorry. A bad performance is a bad performance. She gave a bad performance. She looked like she didn't care. And especially there are moments in this movie where they lean on her heavily to add some emotional weight. And they try to give Mystique this arc. And for me personally, maybe it's different for other people. It fell completely flat. Her performance was flat. I did not care. And they even ruined Mystique for me. And I even though I agree with that, her. it doesn't bother me. Not That's to say fine. it's not a bad thing in the movie, because it is a bad thing in the it movie. It is. But the reason it doesn't bother me is because it's the same exact performance that I complained about when we saw Mocking J Part 1 yeah, and 2. It's just, the exact same performance. You're consistent, right. You didn't so, like I already expected this from her at this point. Class. Yeah. I already expected but this from her. I'm just saying, by the same note, from what I've heard, Michael Fassbender couldn't wait to get done with these movies, yet he still oh, but Michael kills Fassbender, it every yeah. time. He, he's awesome. And that's the thing, too. I did like that in the movie. They have a scene in which, for reasons that will be explained to you when you watch the movie, mm-hmm. Magneto chooses to join Apocalypse's cause. Mm-hmm. And they have this whole, what I consider to be a great scene, in which Apocalypse reminds him of his past and basically brings out his full potential and i really like that scene i felt like it's just Mm -hmm. one of many scenes that michael fassbender does a better job than anybody would have expected him to do Mm -hmm. as an actor in a film like this where you're Mm -hmm. just like oh if you're tired of being done then you know why bother so much but michael fassbender yeah he's a professional he actually takes pride in his work he doesn't phone it in Pussy's probably thinking if somebody else takes my place, like if I do leave after this movie, I haven't ruined the character. So moviegoers are like, eh, Magneto, he's garbage. Nah, if anything, you've kind of cemented the character to where nobody will want to see an X-Men movie that doesn't have either Michael Fassman or Ian McKaylin playing Magneto. Right, because they both (laughs) know. And I think the same goes for McAvoy. Uh, And I, I like how they... Going back to that, the whole dynamic between uh, Charles and Magneto, I like how, from a certain standpoint, you could be like, yeah, Charles, uh, maybe Eric and Mystique are right. You are too much of an idealist, because <laughs> based on the stuff that keeps happening in this movie, I'm kind of shifting. I was always Team X growing up, but I'm starting to be like, as I get older, Team Magneto, like, Magneto's kind of right. I don't agree with all his methods, but I'm kind of like, 
He kind of has a point, Charles. You kind of want to hide in this little bubble of your school and act like everything is sunshine and roses in. It's really not. Uh, you you kind of need to wake up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and from a visual perspective, some of the CG is good. Some of it is yeah. really, really sticks out like a sore yeah. thumb. Like, there's a scene that features Apocalypse and his four horsemen standing in, clearly in front of a green screen mm-hmm. in this mountainscape, which I have no reason. I, I have no idea why they chose that to be the setting for that particular scene, why they couldn't just choose something that was less complicated. But yeah. they chose that, and it's a really bad green screen effect that bugs the hell out yeah. of me. And that scene lasts for quite a while mm-hmm. because it's intercut with other yeah. scenes going on in the movie. So you keep going back to that, and after 15 minutes, I'm like, can we please move yeah, to a different setting? They, they've done it in previous movies. You can... And maybe it's just because the previous movies were in, like, small sets and closed-in locations. I don't know, maybe Brian Singer just isn't as used to having wide-open space. But, yeah, like you said, it, it's really jarring, and you can really tell. It's... And- really bad and kind of takes you out the movie like and as far as apocalypse's appearance goes i was fine with his appearance it was channeling the egyptians mm-hmm. i was fine with the way it looked sure yeah i would like the way he looked in the comic book but the way he looked in the movie was fine to me i, I agree and oscar isaac's gave, gave his all for what little dialogue he had he has a commanding presence. He's a great right. actor. The only thing, and this is a very, very small nitpick, is that it is kind of difficult when you see him standing next with the four horsemen mm-hmm. on both sides of him, and some of the characters are taller than he is. It's yeah. kind of one of those things where you're like, uh, it's yeah, a little knock to your you tough guy. Isaac some boots, or you could have shot it with a with a certain perspective yeah, to make yeah, it look taller than have. the other characters. They could have. You know, maybe it's a whole Hollywood trick. Maybe do a little incline the floor to yeah, where he's standing in a certain spot. Yeah, yeah. It, it's probably but, an easy workaround. Yeah, I thought was, you were gonna say his colors kind of clash, which I thought a little bit. But they the could have maybe met. Yeah, they could have played with his color saturation a little bit. But yeah. it's not bad. They just... And, and it's probably because Magneto... Because Psylocke fits in fine because they're both purple and Storm is in like kind of grayish black. So that's fine. It's really... When you see Apocalypse and Magneto on the same screen, it's kind of a major color class. It's like, oh, which, which one of you is the boss? Like red and Apocalypse is a deep, deep, dark purple. So it's kind of like... Wow, this is yeah. super jarring. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to say, we saw this in 3D. I didn't notice 3D at all. Nope. Days of Future Past, I at least noticed the 3D. They didn't yeah. even bother with this movie. There was only one effect that stood out, and I think that's because Brian Singer might have seen The Force Awakens beforehand. Because mm-hmm. there's a scene where Psylocke, when she first meets Apocalypse, holds him at telekinetic knife point, uh-huh. and her blade is sticking at the screen, and it, it's a 3D effect you notice, mm-hmm. 
And it's like the only 3D effect. Yeah, it's like that old gimmicky 3D. Like, what? 3D? I'm pointing my finger at right. you. Right. It's like, come on, guys. You, yeah, this this is not something. The Force Awakens can get away with doing an effect like that because the rest of the movie had immersive 3D all, mm-hmm. already up until that point. So that was fine. Mm-hmm. But when your movie lacks 3D altogether and you throw in just one scene to justify charging people $2.50 right, right. extra. No. Yeah, you can skip the 3D. It's not a good just, just see it in 2D. Yeah. yeah. Nothing is really gained. Because even the Quicksilver scene, you would think they would use yeah, I it thought that would have beautifully been... there, but... That's really the main really. reason I saw the film in 3D, because right. I saw the first 30 seconds of that Quicksilver scene, because somebody mm-hmm. had posted it online. I was like, no, I'm not going to watch this. I want to see the whole thing in the theater. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but based on how this starts, I can imagine it's probably going to look pretty good in 3D. Then you see the movie and it's like, why is this so flat? Yeah. You guys just didn't give a shit, I guess. Because even Days of Future Past, his scene was fantastic in 3D. But somehow it just didn't work in this movie. I I guess the same effort wasn't there. I don't know. Maybe Brian Singer, after what is it, six of these he's done, maybe he's getting a little burned. No, it just doesn't make any sense because I'm pretty sure Days of Future Past was converted into 3D. I don't think it was shot in 3D. You're right. Hardly any films are. Like I said, I don't. don't, So I don't get what went wrong here. It's Fox. I don't know. It's Fox. I have no idea. Because uh, yeah, Nicholas Holt is fine as Beast, doesn't get a lot of screen time, but he's fine again, like most of the people. It just there are, other than Jennifer Lawrence, there are terrible performances in it. <laughs> other than Jennifer Lawrence. Well, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, it, it could have been a decent performance, but she just did not emote. I don't know if it was bad, flat. Like, she wasn't directed well. Like, Brian Singer just thinks she's a bad actress based on his experience with this and Days of Future Past, so he's given up. Or she just really wants to be done with big franchises. I think she just so really she wants just to be done with big franchises. In. But, yeah, she is just, like the movie, she is flat and drab and boring as hell. And with the way they try to pay off Mystique's arc and try to get her to like that Rebecca Romaine Mystique who was awesome, it's like... Yeah. It, yeah, you fail, and it's not... I don't think it's the writer's fault because they gave Mystique plenty to do in all these movies. It's, it's Jennifer Lawrence's flat performance. She just did not give a crap. And she's yeah. going to get a pass by critics probably because, like I said, I she don't think so. fought the good fight on the wage... Thing, which is great, but that don't mean I have to give her a pass when she has a pass. No, nah, I don't think so. I think her goodwill with the critics is gone after Joy. Yeah, maybe. I think most of them but now. I think maybe part of that is some critics seem to have fallen out of love with David Russell based on other stories, which have been around for a while what? about him being a abusive, abrasive oh, asshole. Oh, please. <laughs> it's too late to jump on that bandwagon. Get, get out of here, people. Fucking bandwagon. Yeah, because uh, if that was the case, he shouldn't have a career in Hollywood. Right. But you, you kept giving him movies. Oh, sorry. So, Gotta take that Oscar back yeah, for Jennifer you, Lawrence. Yeah, you created this monster. Right. So, it's too late to ride Yeah, it's not like he's wagon. Michael Bay. He's been nominated for Oscars. This is all y'all doing. <laughs> it is. And don't get me wrong, Daryl Russell is a great filmmaker, but... 
I, even as somebody who loves his movies, when you read some of the stuff he's done, it's kind of like, ooh. I, I kind of feel torn about supporting your movies now. It's like you and Josh Trank after Fantastic Four. Oh, Josh Trank like, is <laughs> almost eternally on my shit list. I don't care to see anything he ever does ever again. Well, if his career recovers, because I haven't heard of him doing anything. Good. I probably could have made a better Fantastic Four movie than that shit. Oh, but I guess you want to go to ratings? Uh, sure. Uh, hmm. High rental. I'll okay. give it a high rental. I, I don't think it's terrible. I think it's serviceable enough. Really, if it wasn't for some of the performances that save it, because it's really mm-hmm. lacking on the action front, despite what the trailer promises. Mm-hmm. Which is the other thing I don't understand. A lot of critics were complaining about how much action was in the movie as saying there was too much of it. And I'm like, wait, did we see the same movie? Days of Future Past had way more action than this, and you're it trying did. to tell me it that did. that supposedly bogged down the movie for you? We saw a different movie. So, to me, the performance is what really keeps it from being a complete train wreck. It's still really messy. Mm-hmm. There's also one bit that we didn't talk about that features a cameo from a character that they've kind of already given away in some of the trailers yep. that... I had figured out before we saw the movie how that cameo was going to come about, and it did in that manner, and it was very just shoehorned. Oh, yeah. It was And unnecessary. And if you were to cut that out, the movie would probably get better. Yeah, yeah. I heard in some screens people clapped at that part. I kind of get why, but I really don't. The fan base. I know, but it's, yeah. just, I don't know. You, you know just as much as I, that that's the reason why. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm kind of saying, I'm just a regular rental. This isn't anything you need to rush out and see, because it basically has a good first act, uh, okay third act, and a kind of very slow, kind of boring, very mad second act. So, it comes together as kind of an pleasantly okay movie like like you said the performances especially from McAvoy and Fassbender really save it so I'm gonna be curious as excited as I am for the new cast they're definitely gonna have to do their due diligence with the writing maybe bring in a second writer because the guy who wrote this by himself is a decent writer he's written some good movies some awful movies and some Simon Kinberg right in the middle right uh, for yeah, for people who want to look them up, so maybe, maybe they might want to bring in like a second writer to help flush things. Make out. sure it's not David S. Goyer. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it will be, but because I think he's still with DC. Yeah, but you want to yeah, talk about? He didn't write the screenplay, but I think he wrote the story for Batman v Superman. He was one of the storyboard. Writers, I'm sure he was. If he didn't write the screenplay, he had some kind of writing credit if it was story or not. But, because you want to talk about somebody who just doesn't give a fuck about the source material. Look no further than Mr. David S. Goyer. He's gotten lucky. Which is weird, because his Blade movies, at least the first two, they're wildly different from the source material. But but they're really good, at least the first two. But it seemed like it was because there was somebody there that could kind of reel them in. In the second movie's case, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, true, true, true. But the third true. movie, it's like, oh, the keys to the kingdom are yours, David. That's going, and we saw how that went. Yeah, true, so. true, true. And, yeah, and, yeah, 
And maybe, like I said, if he doesn't want to come back, you can bring in a fresh director. I'm not sure who. I mean, there are plenty of good young directors, but I'm, there's not one that pops out of my head instantly like, oh, this person should direct an X-Men movie. You can get Doug Lyman. You could, yeah. Yeah, I don't think Doug Lyman is young, but Doug Lyman I think would be a good pick because he's worked with Kenberg before on okay. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. He was the director of that ah, film. Okay. But he also most recently did a film that we both loved and was one of our best for that year, Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, all right, So yeah. I would say get Doug Lyman if yeah, Ryan yeah, Singer's not it, a it, Yeah, it, it, it might be time for Singer to move and on. And Lyman's also... Else. I don't know what... But. Lyman also did the first Born movie too, by the way. Oh, okay. The first Born movie and Jumper. All even right, though Jumper, nice. Nice. I guess you could use well, Jumper as an excuse. Well, the was good. It's just yeah. the script had problems. Even though, like I told you uh, before we recorded this, the movie for Jumper is miles better than what the book seemed to be, yeah. which is saying a lot. But yeah, this is definitely one of those movies you, at least for me, when I watch it a second time, I'm I'm be skipping around and stuff because there's some stuff I have no interest in watching over again. Yeah. Now that I know how it plays out, so yeah, I'd say yeah, rent it, or if you have a discount like three dollar theater like we do, see it there. But otherwise, it's it's really it's not as terrible as the Rotten Tomato score, but it it ain't great either. It's just yeah. there. It's a movie. Or I guess if you're one of those people who doesn't care about the story, you think it's stupid, you think the parts where they talk in the Avengers are boring, then you might actually love this movie. Wait, what? Huh? Yeah, there are some people who think no, the no, talking no, no, parts in Avengers are like... No, if the talking parts are what bores them, yeah. this is not a movie they want. Well, yeah, I guess you're right. Because all you're left with is action. Be off with Days of Future Past. Yeah. Or heck, even the last no, no, no. stand. Not Days of Future Past, and not the last stand, because I rewatched the last stand ah. recently, and I think that's a much better movie than people give it credit for. It's definitely not the worst of the X Men franchise. The worst oh, is still no. X Men Origins Wolverine, yeah. and X Men Last Stand doesn't even come close far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think it's actually a good movie. That and the second half of the Wolverine, are but the uh, X Men. <laughs> the second half of, as a whole movie. Yes, but X Two yeah. would be the one you would watch if you think talking is boring. Yeah, true. Because that's where it's just a shit true. ton of action in that movie, but. And then again, we got Independence Day and Warcraft, so there are other just spectacle movies you can go see, or Civil War again, so... Or go see Hardcore Henry. No, don't see that. I didn't see that movie, <laughs> but I heard not-so-favorable <laughs> But yeah, so it's it's not anything I highly recommend. Won't be on my worst of, but definitely won't be on my best of. It's, yeah. it's just kind of there. I'll probably forget about large chunks of it in like six months. <laughs> Now, maybe it's just me, but I think a lot of the apocalypse stuff will have staying power for me. The introduction. Some of it, like his opening scenes. Yeah, his and, opening yeah, scenes. That, and, and the violence he committed against people. I was like, well, damn. Yeah. Is that necessary? But, yeah. I'm just saying the final climactic battle scene. It's not bad. It's just like, okay. Well, like I said, it's the best they could do considering that they're putting Apocalypse against a yeah. fucking inexperienced yeah. team yeah. that would easily they, 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 yeah, be crushed by themselves them. themselves into a corner. Yeah, so... <laughs> It'd basically be like if Thanos was the villain in the first Avengers. Or it's basically like 
the ending of Guardians of the Galaxy, only there's no yeah. dance-off to distract Ronan <laughs> from beating the shit out of people. Yeah. <laughs> so, imagine Guardians of the Galaxy if we didn't have an awkward dance-off and Ronan wasn't stupid enough to fall for it. And that's what you have in this climactic battle. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that concludes our review. Once again, we are The Men I Watch, where our motto is, standing on watch for you against bad movies. You can find our show by going to our main site, the Midnight Watch, all on word, .com, and thanks for listening. Good night, everybody. Yep. See you next week.